This is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 38 is brought to you by Blueberry Markets. If you are outside of the United States and you are not trading right now, you are leaving a lot of money on the table. As traders, we like all of this chaos, and it treats us very well monetarily. So if you have not gotten started, get started now and get started with the world's best customer service, and that is Blueberry Markets. You can trade so many different Forex pairs, top 50 American stocks, and 10 different cryptocurrencies. And if you go down to the show notes and click the link that will take you to the blog that keeps you updated on everything that's going on in terms of eligible countries and everything you will receive if, on that blog, you go down to the very bottom and click the link. Through that link, you will not only get a cash bonus just for signing up, but you will get your own personal customer service representative that you can call should anything go wrong. And over the course of the years, something always does. Now, do you want to wait two hours for somebody with bad English to help you out, or do you want your own guy? Click the link at the bottom in the blog, and you will get your own guy. If you are in the United States, do not despair. I have a great option for you as well. Link is also in the show notes. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and I can't wait to get back to the normal format of this podcast, but things just keep happening, um, significant things that do affect us financially. So we need to talk about it while it's still top of mind. And so, you know, if you're watching this in real time, you know Russia has invaded Ukraine, and as usual, there is a lot of noise out there in the media. And being the financial predators that we all are, we need to cut through that noise and see how this is going to affect us. And so that is what this episode is all about. Now, in many ways, we on this podcast were already ahead of this in the conflict investing episode, which was episode 34, I believe. Just go on your podcast player, go to YouTube and look it up. But that was more for like a prolonged conflict similar to what you would have seen with the United States and Afghanistan, United States and Iraq. You know, this is very different. You know, this is a proxy war as it stands so far. So if it remains that way, the things we care about the most as contrarian investors are not going to be determined by the war itself in all likelihood. It's going to be controlled by the sanctions that come during and after, and then the response to those sanctions. So this is what we really have to pay attention to above anything else. Because as it stands right now, the West does not want to interfere directly in this war. They want to give the Ukraine every bit of a weapon and service available um, but they don't really want to do anything else. Uh, now you can sit there and do what everybody on Twitter is doing and go back and forth debating whether this is the right way to approach things. That's not what we care about. We separate ourselves from all of this. And for right this moment, at least, we need to focus on the sanctions. Now, when President Biden talks, we need to listen I know there's some of you out there like, well, I don't like President Biden. I don't want to listen to him talk. Well, this is still the leader of the free world, and he needs W's. Let's be honest. 
His popularity has been on a downward trajectory since he entered office. And with midterm elections coming up soon, he is about to lose a lot of power in his own Congress unless he and his party start gaining popularity. So he's in a pretty precarious situation here with not many right answers. Now, even though most of us in the West don't like the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine, and you know the Russian people, for the most part, from what we've seen, also feel the same way, you know, we also don't support sending our own people into this war. Uh, so I don't see that happening. But you're not going to be able to just simply invade a country like this without consequences. Um, that would be extremely unpopular and make the leaders look softer than they already look. Uh, so sanctions will happen. Biden has already said this. And Biden has already also said there will not be any sanctions uh, thus far in regards to energy. Now, why is this? Uh, because energy prices are already very high, and I think Biden said it himself, that he is committed to making energy prices and things like inflation go lower. So you can't just contradict yourself blatantly two weeks later and put energy sanctions on other countries, especially countries that have a lot of energy. The United States still imports a good amount of oil from Russia as we speak. Now, how much longer will that go on? We don't know, but I'll get to individual commodities later on in the program. Now, countries, of course, don't like being sanctioned, so they will provide counter-sanctions of their own and completely cut certain countries off from their resources, to which Russia has a lot of. Um, now, make no mistake, Russia is going to be affected by sanctions. Now, sanctions evolve the United States dollar. Everybody's saying, oh, Russia is getting around this with their own central bank digital currency. Well, that, that's going to take a while to implement. We don't know how well it's going to take. That's not really an answer. Other people said, oh, they just legalized Bitcoin so they can get around sanctions that way. No, not realistic, especially not right now. You know, the one way they can fight it is by cutting off the West to their own resources. Now, they're going to be okay with this because they have plenty of customers in the East. It's going to hurt the bottom line a little bit, but at the end of the day, if they just deal with China and South Korea and Southeast Asia and maybe the Middle East, you know, they're going to get by just fine. You know, really, it's going to be the West that ends up bearing the brunt of most of this. Now, if you're in the West, is this going to make your electric bill go up even more than it already has? Probably. But is this going to open the door even further for the bullishness of a lot of the contrarian investments we talk about on this show? Absolutely. So let's talk about those things. Let's go ahead and begin with oil, because I think that's the one that will probably get talked about the most. Now, honestly... You know, this is not good for the supply of oil. This is bullish for the overall price. However, that ship in a lot of ways has kind of sailed in terms of getting really great value out of um, an, like a pure oil ETF or some of the oil stocks. Unless you were able to zoom out pretty far, like zoom out about 10 years or so, and take a look at most of the oil services ETFs. This was episode 31. Oil services typically lag behind price. 
And if you look at a 10-year chart of most of the ETFs we spoke about on that episode, you will see that these have a very, very long way to go. And your time horizon doesn't have to be 10 years. As you see on that chart, it only takes one, two, three years at the absolute most for these things to really take off and spike. And in the last 10 years, they have not had a really great reason to even do that. Now they do. So if you're not in the oil game yet and you still want to get in, that is where I probably think your best opportunities lie. This is not financial advice. Don't do anything I say. Uh, but as far as getting into oil for a long-term buy and hold, uh, the best time to do that is, as always, when we talked about it. Uh, but you can still get in now. Uh, just zoom out and find those sectors that still have value. Now, natural gas. Oh, boy. Um, we haven't really had an episode on this yet because uh, the price has just been so wild. I, I can't time it right. I want to kind of time it at the bottom of a cycle, but the cycle just doesn't seem to want to be a cycle. It's just so jerky. Uh, but I will say this. If you think this situation is going to get better anytime soon, let me know because I want to take the other side of that bet. You have the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is a big deal, that connects Russia and Germany. Germany is the head of the EU. Sanctions are coming from the EU. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline might have already been DOA to begin with. Natural gas prices are already super high, giving Russia even more leverage and bargaining power. This is not good. Uh, the winter was cold, but not as cold as people expected, so we got a little bit of a break there. Uh, but certainly between now and next winter, we will have an episode breaking down natural gas further. Uh, but if you wanted to get the jump on it now, you certainly could. Just be prepared for lots and lots more volatility on the upside and the downside going forward. Now, something else we haven't tackled that, again, I've been meaning to, but there's only so many episodes you can put out at a time. And that's going to be fertilizer. Russia is a very big player here. There's about three or four major components that go into most fertilizer. In terms of two of them, I think Russia is at the top or right near the top. Food is already a problem. I fully anticipate it to be even more of a problem and turn into a really, really big problem this decade. And this whole situation has only made it worse. Uh, so again, Stay tuned for an episode specializing in fertilizer and different ways to invest in it, but please don't wait for that episode to come out. Um, like a lot of things, like things like tin and zinc and things I've wanted to talk about in the past, sometimes the market just takes off without you and there's no more value in it by the time I decide to make an episode on these things. So again, don't wait for me. If you agree with me and you think there is real opportunity here from an investment standpoint, get to work because a bad situation is already likely going to get much worse. So along those same lines of food, you know, we don't do much with soft commodities here. At least I certainly don't. So I don't feel like I'm really at liberty to talk about it. Um, but if you are, uh, the wheat market has been going awfully crazy lately as a result of this. Um, this is the one thing most normie investors are pretty hip to. I feel like they're sleeping on a bunch of commodities, really, but not this. 
Uh, Russia and Ukraine are both in the top 10 of wheat-producing countries uh, in the world. Russia, I think, is top two or three. Keep an eye on this sector as well. Uh, something else Russia is top two in, to my knowledge, is iron ore. Now, this is another one of those episodes I had fully planned on getting ready for. Then the market took off, and then it has come back down. So, again, slate this for another topic that we will address sometime in 2022. Uh, we just haven't done it yet. Uh, but having Russia cut off most of the West in iron ore exports as well is another major bullish case for iron ore going forward. So now moving on to a few things that we have talked about either on this podcast or on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel. You can simply just go to my channel and go to the search box and type in the topic of your choice to see if we have covered it in some capacity. Um, but if you remember the Platinum episode, episode 13, uh, you know that one of my most bullish cases for Platinum, uh, on the supply side especially, is that most countries that produce it are absolute basket cases. So Russia, for one, um, not only do you have to worry about them being a basket case at this point, you might not even have to worry about them at all anymore because they're just there's a good chance they're just going to shut down exports to the West altogether. And what do you think that does for supply? You know, what do you think that does to the price? What do you think that does for the mining stocks that are not in Russia? All very, very bullish. And you can lump all of the platinum group metals in there as well. So palladium and rhodium, for those of you gangsters playing in that market, things again, just got a lot more bullish. Uh, I am currently invested in platinum, and I am not going anywhere. Buy and hold, baby. To the moon. Or at least a 50% gain, so I can take profit. Uh, now, on my platinum position, prices moved about $60 or so from where I bought it, which is nice, but it's not out of reach. You know, opportunities are still there. Uh, let's move on to copper. Have not done a dedicated copper episode on this podcast either. Believe me, that's coming. You guys know how bullish I am on copper. And I got the supply side of copper just cannot stop taking L's. You have socialists in Chile, socialists in Peru. There's your one and two right there. Royalties are out the roof. Mines going back to indigenous lands and going offline permanently. And if they were ever to come back, you don't just restart a copper mine in 24 hours. It takes a very long time to do, if it happens at all. Now, see, so you have Chile and Peru as number one and two. Let's go down the list. Number three is China. You know, the West isn't seeing any of that copper. Uh, then you have the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is a pretty dicey place, and China already takes a lot of that. Then you have the United States, then Australia, and then Russia. So just go ahead and knock out the number seven provider of copper off the chart completely. You know, if all this goes down the way we think it's going to. Again, guys, we're talking about the country with the most resources in the entire world that could very well decide to completely shut down exports to the West. Which means not only is price likely going to go up by a lot over time, but these countries are going to need to look elsewhere for their resources, which makes the mining stocks in safe jurisdictions even that much more attractive because now they have customers they never had before, very big customers. And the reason there is still value in a lot of these stocks is because all of this has not quite happened yet. 
And, you know, there's still a chance that it may not, but if history has taught us anything, it's that when sanctions come, countries just don't take it lying down. They need to provide countermeasures to uh, persuade the sanctioning countries to lift the sanctions. And if the West does that, they are going to come off weaker than they already currently look. Now, let's go ahead and finish up with gold. Now, this is an interesting one. It's not like the world is getting much gold from Russia. Russia keeps most of it to themselves. But with war, you have a flight to safety. And common knowledge would tell you that as soon as war pops off, you need to be jumping into gold. Now, the problem is a lot of people are not like us. They don't sit back and buy and hold gold for the long term. They jump in when it's opportune to try to make money off of it. Now, when you have a bunch of, let's just say, not so bright traders and investors trying to jump in the market at the same time, what do you think is going to happen? Exactly what did happen on Thursday. Price spiked, and then the manipulators took it right back down. So many people could not figure out what happened here. Even the Macro Voices podcast on Thursday speculated that price went up, and then all of a sudden people realized that this might get in the way of the Fed raising rates, and they're not going to want to do that anymore, so the price came back. To, no, <laughs> completely wrong. No, no, no. I retweeted the answer. It was from Don Durrett, who you may remember from the Three Resources uh, podcast episode. Uh, he said this can only be one thing. Only one group has the ability to drive price down like this all at one time, and that is, say it with me, the big banks the greatest manipulators of all time. And who do they love screwing over? They love screwing over the uninformed. So people took positions at higher gold prices, saw the price drop, couldn't understand why, probably panicked, freaked out, took their position off the table. Banks win, you lose. The real takeaway here is the same takeaway as everything else. You know, do things the way we do things. If you're going to be in gold above anything, uh, trade it, which you can do from a daily perspective to where you only worry about where price ended up at the end of the day. That's the only thing that affects you. Swing traded on the weekly, which would also have made the entire price action of Thursday not affect you at all, uh, unless you were able to take some profit that day, and then good for you. Or just be right, sit tight, and let this thing do what it does. Gold has been on a wonderfully slow upward trajectory ever since 2017. It's been awesome. Now, you don't realize it's awesome because it's happened so slowly, but we're only about you know, $50, $60 off of its all-time highs for gold. Does that even sound like it's happening right now? Uh, well, it is because over time, the smart money has been accumulating. They see the writing on the wall. And once the normie investors, and especially the funds, realize this too, and with every crazy event that happens, they get closer and closer, the real run on gold, and subsequently silver, will start to take shape. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't want world chaos, but as we have predicted from the start of this decade, it's probably coming anyway, and a portion of it is already here. 
And this chaos generally sucks for the public start to finish, but if there is a bright side to any of it, you know, it's that if you know what you're doing and you know where to look, you can make good money off of this and protect yourself from any after effects. The people who have money have options. And times like this illustrate this point more than anything. Get yourself there. Being able to take advantage of a crisis that's coming anyway does not make you crazy. It just makes you early. <laughs>